Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Oh, Captain, my Captain. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. Let's get nuts. Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? I always ask that of all my prey. I just like the sound of it. I'll have what she's having. You have chosen wisely. It reminds us all that once was good. And it could be again. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious... You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. Classic movies, 30 years in the making. Hello and welcome once again to the 30-something movie podcast. Uh, we are on episode number 230, The Burbs. We are starting our two-week extravaganza of Tom Hanks movies. Uh, this time will be The Burbs. Next time will be Turner and Hooch. So uh, come on back next week for that one if you love Tom Hanks and dogs. Uh, Tom Hanks and or dogs. I guess you don't have to love both of them simultaneously. But It's not mutually exclusive. No, no. You, either one. Either one. It's totally fine. Uh, but this time around, it's The Burbs, which obviously is not maybe quite as cute as Turner and Hooch. It's a quirky movie, a bit of a weird movie, but we'll, we'll get into all that. So before we do real quickly, uh, spoiler alert, we are a spoiler podcast. So if you hear the name of a movie and we are in, you know, mid conversation about it, just be aware that we may talk plot points and, and spoil stuff. So just be aware of that, that if you hear us mention a movie that you haven't seen and you don't want to have anything ruined for you, maybe just plan to skip ahead a little bit uh, in your podcast listening device that you're using. If you have not left us a review on iTunes, please go ahead and do that uh, at some point. Let us know what you're loving about the show. Um, again, if you're listening somewhere other than iTunes, feel free to leave us a review there as well. I just know that iTunes is kind of the big old place where uh, people put a lot of their reviews for podcasts. And then finally visit our website. If you want to find out more about the show, other ways to interact with us, um, find old episodes of the show, find some of our social media stuff, whether it's letterboxed or Twitter or our voicemail line, any of that stuff, go to three zero podcast.com. So I am joined tonight. I think we've got everybody. Is this, this is probably one of the first times in a little bit uh, that we've had everybody all together. So we've got Pat, Pat, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Excellent. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm all right. Good, good. Dennis, how are you? I'm doing good. Excellent. Uh, and Bo? Hello. Hello. All right. So very quickly, before we jump on into the movie, I had one movie news thing that I wanted to bring up, and that is, um, I know this came up a little while ago where Steven Spielberg was kind of complaining a bit about the idea of having Netflix or Hulu or any of those streaming services uh, have their movies show up in the Oscars in Oscar contention. So it's, it's kind of seems like it's escalated, especially because Roma won uh, a few Oscars. And so now apparently he is petitioning the, I don't know what you want to call them, the, the board of directors or, or whoever it is that runs the Oscars to say he does not want, he does not believe that movies that are being either financed or produced by one of the uh, streaming sites should not be considered for Oscars, but should be considered for Emmys instead, treated as TV movies and not studio motion pictures. Um, so I, I know on Twitter, I've, I've shared a few of my thoughts about that, but we've got everybody all together. So I just want to see what you guys think about that. If you've heard much about that and, and kind of what your take on that would be. So uh, what are your thoughts? Spielberg versus Netflix. 
needs to get over himself and move on. Okay. <laughs> it's the new millennium. Mm-hmm. Things have changed. That's kind of the short version of, of my thoughts as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see both sides of it. I think, you know, he, he really wants um, the idea that movies should be experienced in a larger than life fashion. And, you know, I, maybe he's partly worried that that's really the more credence that's given to the likes of um, Netflix and Amazon and Apple as being legitimate movie studios. You're starting to lose out on the theatrical experience. I can see that. I, I get that. Mm-hmm. But like Bo said, you know, it's times are changing. But does the, the theatrical experience dictate the you know the Academy Award winning quality of a film? Is a movie a, a, mo- a good movie and deserves whatever accolades it earns? Yeah. That's not, I, I had not heard of this, so this is uh, the first okay. time. I'm well, this. I mean, but look you, up, probably you have, busy. You have to go back and look at the the requirements for a movie to be considered for an Oscar. It mm-hmm. has to have a theatrical run. Of yeah. at least two weeks or something like that. I think it's one week. I think it has to be in the theater at least one week. And it's only a certain percentage of theaters, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So I mean, and that's that was kind of my take on it too. Was I? I none of this will depreciate my respect for Steven Spielberg as a filmmaker, uh, as a director, producer, financing movies, all this, and kind of in his contribution to film as a whole. Part of this just, I don't want to say it. My first initial knee-jerk reaction was this this reeks of elitism a little bit mm-hmm. because I'm like, what about what about the people who maybe live in places where there are no movie theaters? I mean, I, for a short time, I lived in a spot where you had to drive an hour and a half to get to the closest movie theater, and they certainly were not going to be showing some of the more artsy dramatic movies that you're going to see at the at the Oscars, you know, if, if there's that, or maybe you live in another country where it's very difficult to find a movie theater. So I, I think before I, you know, before I opine too much on this whole thing, I actually would like to see more of what his arguments are. I, I don't feel like in all the articles that I've read, I think they're just kind of drumming up the, well, it's Steven Spielberg versus the Oscars. And, and he's, right. it's, you know, it's very clickbaity, yeah, but it, it's not, I would like to see a list, either a bullet point list or, or, you know, uh, whatever it is that he's maybe the petition that he's written up, if he's written one formally, um, I'd like to see what his arguments are because I'd be curious to read those beyond the, well, it, you need to experience the theater because I, I get that. And I agree with that, but I will also, you know, echo some of the thoughts that I've seen of, of people on Twitter saying, look, the last time I tried to go to a movie, we had to get a babysitter. And by the time we went to the movie, we were out like $150. I'm like a lot of people cannot afford necessarily to go to a bunch of movies anymore. So, you know, is that the difference between is it the difference between the the artwork that I might have to go to the art museum to go see versus I can pull it up on the Google Art website and be able to see it? Am I going to get a different experience whether it's in person or on a computer screen? Absolutely. Am I ever going to get to that art museum that's off in another country somewhere? Maybe not. But I can pull it up on my computer. And I can take a look at it and I can still experience it. So I I guess the problem I have with it is I just I feel like it's it's the 21st century and in some ways, you know, I know Steven Spielberg has, has pushed back at different times with the whole digital versus film debate. Um but I just I feel like things are changing and he's not necessarily changing with them. 
Well, and and unfortunately, it, it tends to happen in these situations. He's he's gone to the nth degree by saying, "Well, they should just ban these movies that are financed and produced by Netflix." Okay, you have a problem with the system. Why not suggest a proportional change? Up the time it has to be in a theater to be considered. Yeah. Make it two weeks instead of one. Make them work for it if you really have a problem with it. Don't don't go to you know the immediate banning of like you make yourself sound like a reactionary elitist to use your word by just not even proposing a rational solution. Maybe the right answer is an extra week in the cinema. Who knows? Up the percentage of cinema movies I have to get into. Because what that forces people to do is evaluate who else would be excluded by that change. And you start to talk about the art films and the things that don't necessarily get that runtime. And it starts an actual intelligent conversation instead of the clickbaity stuff. I think like you, I'd, I need to hear a little bit more about the exact argument. Yeah. And then see, does he have a proposed, a, a valid proposed idea? Or is it just he is turning into a crotchety old movie maker? Yeah. Which I really hope isn't the case. Yeah. I, I don't, if this is, if this is what he is going to be like going forward, I, I don't want to see Steven Spielberg, the curmudgeon. <laughs> All right. So, well, yeah. well, just I'm just like I'll, I'll be thinking about this after because, like I said, I didn't know really much about like I didn't hear about this yet. Um, I've been busy, but it was. Uh, I mean, I just think of the Academy Awards, and if you look you know, online, it's just uh, awards for artistic and technical merit in the film industry. You know, um, pretty simple. Who gets to who gets to determine? I mean, wh- wh- why these roles have to be? It has to be in for two weeks. I, I understand that. I guess I'm going to have to think of a bigger picture of that. Like, to me, a film is a film, and if it's that good, it gets the award, and it should be up for that award. Why? You know, all these requirements they have to have about this and that. If something's that good, it, why are there all these rules to make and justify that? I don't know, but but that's a bigger issue. Yeah. about the i guess the awards themselves like i don't know i just think if there's a damn good movie um what does it matter if it was in the theater for three weeks two weeks one week um if it has technical merit if it's got that's you know all the things that that it, it, it's earned those honors it shouldn't matter where it came from who paid for it that's a bigger i guess just mm-hmm. perspective i'm just throwing out there now when well i, I, w- I would assume when like, the ru- when the rules were made it was a way to i mean the the only way that movies were being distributed was in theaters so i think it was probably a way to try to limit theatrical releases that could be considered for um for nominations now at the time you know the idea of a company making a movie and streaming it to you know to people's houses was you know a a thought that nobody had but it's because it becomes a valid question to consider. To me, I think it needs to expand with the time. Then I think I, that's just my, my my gut feeling is. Then is elite it becomes elitist because film should be like available to all people. And if everybody makes something that's that good, if you don't have the back, backing of you know some big major studio, uh, it kind of evens the playing ground for everybody and lets the film stand on its own merit. Right. So well, I'm I'm sure we're going to talk more about this because I'm sure this is not going to end anytime this week. So I. 
I imagine this will go on for quite some time and I'm sure there's going to be more stuff coming out. But uh, if anybody listening happens to know, because I know I've looked at a, a few different websites, if anybody happens to know of a spot where either they've collected some of the arguments for and against this um, in, in a way that's easily accessible, then uh, feel free to pass it along to us either on Twitter or email or, or to our website or whatever. Um, because yeah, before we, before we kind of talk more about this in the future, I would just, I'd like to see the more of his arguments for this. So if anybody knows, if anybody listening kind of knows a good place or they've seen a good article that, that sums that stuff up um, without being clickbaity and actually has some substance to it, then uh, feel free to pass it along to us so we can, we can take a look and uh, talk a little bit more about it next time. So before we go any further, let's do this week in 89. So we're talking the week of March 6th through 12th, 1989. On March 5th, Jake Lloyd, who played Anakin Skywalker, was born. Uh, he was in Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. On March 11th, Anton Yelchin, the Russian-born American actor who died in 2016, was born. He was in Terminator Salvation and the newer Star Trek movies. Top book this time around is Star by Danielle Steele. Top movie is Lean on Me, directed by John Gia Vildsen, starring Robert Guillaume and Morgan Freeman. Uh, top song is Lost in Your Eyes by Debbie Gibson. The movie this time around is The Burbs. It is uh, a movie that came out on the 17th of February, 1989, rated PG. Runtime of one hour, 41 minutes. Director Joe Dante, who did Gremlins and Inner Space. Uh, producers Michael Fennell, who also did Inner Space and Gremlins. And Larry Bresner, who died in 2015, did Good Morning Vietnam, Throw Mama from the Train. Writer on this one was Dana Olson, who did George of the Jungle and Inspector Gadget. Cinematography was Robert M. Stevens, who did Amazing Stories and the Naked Gun movies. Music was Jerry Goldsmith. He died in 2004, but he did Poltergeist, Gremlins, and Star Trek The Next Generation, among very many others. Budget on this one was $18 million. Box office was $49.1 million. The Rotten Tomatoes critics gives it a 53%. Rotten Tomatoes audience gives it a 71%. IMDb gives it a 69%, dude. Letterboxd gives it a 68%. Starring Tom Hanks as Ray Peterson. He was in Big and Forrest Gump. Bruce Dern as Mark Rumsfield. He was in Last Man Standing and Django Unchained. Carrie Fisher, who died in 2016, was Carol Peterson. She was in the Star Wars movies and When Harry Met Sally. Rick Dukamun, who died in 2015, uh, was Art Weingartner. He was in Spaceballs and Groundhog Day. Corey Feldman was Ricky Butler. He was in The Goonies and The Lost Boys. Wendy Shaw was Bonnie Rumsfield. She was in Inner Space and Batteries Not Included. Henry Gibson, who died in 2009, was Dr. Werner Klopek. He was in Inner Space and the Blues Brothers. Brother Theodore, who died in 2001, was Ruben Klopek. He was in The Last Unicorn, and I believe he was also a voice actor in several other animated movies, including some of the, I think they were like the 70s and 80s, um, the, the, not The Hobbit, but some of the other like Lord of the Rings movies, like Return of the King and, and some of those. Um, and then Courtney Gaines was Hans Klopek uh, from Back to the, uh, he was also in Back to the Future. And then Gail Gordon, who died in 1995, was Walter Sesnick. He was in Dennis the Menace. Here's the trailer for the movie, and we'll be back in just a moment. All Tom Hanks wanted was a quiet vacation at home. This is what I need, Carol. I, I need this. Welcome to Mayfield Place. A typical street in the burbs. Morning, Walter! Where nothing much ever happened. Walter's dog just took a dump on Rumsfield's lawn again. Until the Klopex moved in. Klopex? Klopex. Klopex. No one goes in. No one comes out. Neighbors from hell. It was a nice place to live. He said he thinks the Klopex are evil incarnate. Well, you're much too smart to fall for that, aren't you, honey? But now... Carol! 
you wouldn't want to visit there. Ray, this is Walter. No! The Burbs. I'm going over the fence, but I'm not coming back till I find a dead body. Ray, do you want him to take your family, kidnap them, tear their livers out, and make some kind of satanic pate? We found Walter! We got a real problem. I hit the gas line, I'd run! God, I love this street. Tom Hanks. I think we are overreacting. No! The Burbs. It's one hell of a neighborhood. Hey, honey. I think we should move. Is this one that, uh, did you see this one in the theater? Did you see it when it first came out or is this one that you experienced years later? I'll go first. It wasn't, it wasn't in the theater. Um, I believe this was on video. Yeah. But yeah, we were all gathered around and pretty much me, me and my whole family being there, brothers and everything else and, and, and pulling this one up. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I didn't see this in the theater, but I'm again, um, like a lot of these movies of this time period, it was probably caught it on cable or we rented it. Yeah, we. I came to this very late. I stumbled upon it, had never heard of it. I remember thinking, what the heck is this? I don't even know if the first time I saw it, I caught the beginning. Because there are definitely parts of the early part of the movie that I still don't know very well. Um, but I loved it the second I saw it. I can tell you that much. I, I saw this thing early on and I think I saw it with the family. I don't, I, I just remember my folks reacting to it. Um, they were, they were not the target audience. Let's just put it that way. And I was like young enough that it was just like, dude, this is really weird. And my folks were just like, yeah, we're not, I'm, we're not enjoying this very much. And so I never really watched it again. I think until I watched it for this podcast. And now that I'm older and my sense of humor has developed the way it has, I mean, it's pretty good, but yeah, I, I, I saw it early on with the folks. Yeah. For me, this is the, I, we didn't, I'm pretty certain we didn't see this in the theater and I feel like I saw it not when it first came out, but I feel like I saw it maybe a few years, um, afterwards, maybe on VHS or maybe we rented it at some point, maybe it was on TV at some point, but I do know it definitely was not a movie theater viewing. And, and this is one that I, and I don't know how regularly uh, you guys have watched this one. I don't really think I have seen this more than once before watching it for the podcast. So oh, wow. I, I, think, I think I saw it one time, maybe a few years after it came out, we possibly rent it possibly on TV. Um, but then really had not watched it again since watching it for the podcast. So. Is this one that some of you watch regularly? Is this one that is in your in your rotation of movies? I wouldn't say regularly, but um, if I come across it, I'll watch it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree. In general, it's it's another a, a lot like a, you know. I think it falls in that category, like a lot of the movies from this time frame. If it's on, I'll watch it, but I wouldn't call it appointment uh, appointment television. So. In terms of, now this one's directed by Joe Dante, who also did Gremlins, uh, which we've done on the podcast. So in terms of this movie, Joe Dante has a, a bit of a different style. You know, this this movie's a little weird. We'll just come out and say it's a little weird. Does this movie work for you? Because I know I think about his other movies that we've done, uh, especially for the podcast. We've done Gremlins. We've done Inner Space. You know, I, I love those movies. 
and I'll just say my, and some of his other ones too. I know he did, um, you know, in the seventies, he did Piranha. I've seen that before. That, that one's hilarious. I love that one. Um, I'll even say that I'm a fan of Gremlins too. Um, it, but in terms of this movie, like my first initial reaction is this one kind of falls short for me. Like I, I like the people that are in it. Like I like the actors. I like the premise of it. Um, but it's just, I don't know. I, there's just, to me, there's just something a little, and I know there's supposed to be something a little off about it. So that, that seems like a weird thing to say, but it just seems like it doesn't quite hit for me as it, it, it wants to be a comedy. It wants to be a mystery. It wants to be, you know, a, a semi horror movie. It wants to try to incorporate all these different things. And it just, I just don't feel like it does. Well, I think I think it's got the same tone as Gremlins to a certain degree in mm-hmm. terms of the cross between humor and serious and and all that stuff. It just doesn't have as good of a story as um, as Gremlins and good of characters that hit on with people. But um, I don't know. I, I like it's it's just a it's a good movie and like I, I understand what you're saying. It falls short. I guess it's like the expectations for it aren't crazy. You know, like crazy high. Um, it's more of a yeah, like 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 uh, Bo said. We you know if it's on, you watch it. Uh, we did make the point of watching it with the kids, though. So it was oh, one right on. we saw online. And we were, you know, like, oh, I'm like, hey, Burbs is on. Let's watch that one. It's a Tom Hanks film, you know. And, um, and uh, you know, and Princess Leia is in it. You don't see her in too many other movies. Um, and, and then Brother Theodore, who uh, was, you know, you guys know who Brother Theodore is in the film, the, the older guy with the crazy hair. Um he, uh, the brother, the uncle one who like talks for this teeth like that, you know, yeah. he, uh, he was, we, we used to crack up, at, just go watch, uh, just Google and look at, uh, YouTube, um, brother theater on David Letterman show. So I remember watching him on David Letterman. It was like crazy, weird, just bizarre stuff that he would do because he was a performance artist mm-hmm. and, um, he would come on there and man, this guy was just like nuts with David Letterman. It was bizarre. So for us, it was like, oh, it's the movie with Brother Theodore in it too. So it, it's got a little bit of a of a of that factor to it. Like, um, you know, we just we just knew the character from somewhere else. And um, again, good movie, not great. I don't want it to sound like I don't like the movie. Like, it, it it's fine. It's a fine yeah. movie. It's a good movie. It just it's not. You're not going to yeah. rush to the store and buy the you know the the Blu-ray version of of this. No, and and I think even for me, I, I'm I'm probably a little one step down uh, from some of you. Like if it comes on TV, I'm really not going to watch it. I'm going to go look for something else. I but it's I, like, watch, I, I wouldn't necessarily watch the whole thing through. It depends where it's at. I might catch a scene and yeah. I watch part of it, and then I would be like, yeah. So I I mean I kind of agree with you. It's it's not the greatest, but it's you know it's entertaining. It's a nice little film, but um, it's good for a couple watches. But then I you know after three I wouldn't do. It. I think I've seen it probably three or four times now Bo, i think i think when i originally told you that because you and i i, I, I might have mentioned this to you when we were at that uh, the conference last week that i had watched it and i was like nope no, don't particularly care for it and you were surprised oh uh, yeah yeah so what is it like what is it about the movie that you really like i think just the it's funny in that sort of awkward com- comedic kind of way you've got so many different archetypal characters you've got the crazy military guy you've got the i can't decide if cory feldman's supposed to be a stoner but he's definitely the the screwball kid neighbor you've got tom hanks who who he he, he vacillates between the the cynic and the uh and the one who believes most that these guys are killers within the course of 20 minutes you've got the the 
the suburbanite with nothing better to do. So he's convinced. And and in the end, they set you up and you think, oh, God, these idiots really blew up this guy's house for nothing. Yeah. And then they zing you with it. No, no. They were right all along. <laughs> it's just fun. It keeps you guessing a little bit, just enough to be interesting. It's not heavy. It's not – I mean, yeah, it's, man, we're not talking – you know, you're not winning a Cannes Film Award for this movie. Don't get me wrong. Right. It's – uh. It's just fun. I think the fact that the movie doesn't know what it is in terms of genre kind of helps and just sort of leaves you with that uneasy feeling throughout the entire thing. Like you're not sure Sure. if you should laugh at moments. You're not sure if you should cringe at moments. So it just really helps give it the right tone to be unsettled about what's going on in this neighborhood. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that is the, the that's what works about it is because when you're watching it and you're thinking this is funny or wait these guys are just overreacting they're paranoid oh maybe there's something to it oh there's not oh these guys are innocent and I think it the the the, the different tones that it hits throughout the film um, help keep you guessing and and keep you in a little bit of state of confusion of what number one what type of movie is is comedy serious whatever and are these people really you know killers. So I think it just I think it works. It's a Joe Dante film. It's good. It's you like like you know it's like you said it's not the greatest film in the world, but it's good and it works. It was and my kids liked it. You know they thought it was okay. They weren't like wow it's the greatest movie ever. And they weren't like that it was horrible. They thought it was okay. It was good. I mean it it definitely makes you think a little bit about you know the people that are helped, on yeah. your street. <laughs> yeah. You, you you can't help but start to question a little bit about you know the the noise you heard in that one house or the fact that you know the house on the corner has a weird light on all the time. You're not sure why or, you know. Oh, and and I think it's one of your questions or are you you tie into it? It's very rear windowish. Mm-hmm. You know? Um where rear window though is isn't as big of a comedy, it still has a little of, you know, some stuff there, but it's definitely uh it, that that feeling about the neighbors and if we look and study what other people do, could we draw conclusions? You know, um, assuming that they're this or that, you know, watching somebody's patterns or what they do with something and what they're building in the house or why the lights are on at night. You know, somebody's got insomnia. Um, you know, you can look at everything and it, it's interesting how people's behavior in a, in a community like that can turn on each other. And sometimes mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. case, it's right, but <laughs> it could have very easily been wrong. Yeah, I, I have a few neighbors that I might be a little worried about, but I've never gone so far as to blow up their house. No. Well, they didn't mean to blow it up, though. So, well, you, true, true. So, for this movie, is there a? Can you pull out a a favorite scene in this movie, or is there a favorite line from this movie that, <laughs> when you think of the burps? Yes. What is it? I I'm a fan. I think my favorite character is actually Rumsfeld. Okay. Oh, he's the best. Um, but one of them is uh, when he's yelling at Ricky. He's like, "Ricky, get this lame out of your yard." <laughs> Just trying to uh, sound like the tough guy. Klopek. What is that? Slavic? Um, but my favorite has to be when he uh when his foot falls through the porch. Yeah. Said, oh, yeah. there there go the brownies. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah. And then Ricky's line about the pizza dude is always good too. Pizza I throw, dude. I throw that one around too and Kato will be like, What are we doing for dinner? I'll be like, I got the pizza dude coming. <laughs> <laughs> but awesome. yeah the brownies line is, is is i think my favorite mm-hmm. as far as scenes i think the first time that they get in the house 
you know, and they're sitting there and they're meeting them all, and there's just the awkward silences, and they're just oh, sitting. Gosh, I think I just like the 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 way they allow silence to happen, which would be you walk in these weird people's houses, and it's just. Mm-hmm. And then there's somebody trying to make some comments here and there, the little jokes, or it's what's his name. Um, but yeah, it, it, I think the first initial meeting scene would be like one of the most awkward scenes. I don't know if I've got any favorite scenes. I, I just remember enjoying it more this time than I did the last time. Just overall, I think the Corey Feldman character is just fun to watch. Just yeah. all his reactions and how he's inviting the girl over. And she's like, can we go to a movie? No, you don't want to go to a movie. You want to watch this. I love this street. I <laughs> love this I love this street, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember we all laughed at one. I mean, most people probably won't think the line fight funny is fun, that funny. But um, it says, hey, Pinocchio, where are you going? <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> he's dressed in the, you know, the, okay. but Yeah. A lot of what Rumsfeld says is definitely inappropriate. Well, certainly through a modern lens, it is not. Yeah, uh, oh, absolutely through a modern lens. You you know, you don't want to be that neighbor that's uh, just throwing out ethnic slurs about people or or casting judgment on people based on you know their accents or but like you know it's stuff like calling them uh, hair klopek mm-hmm. yeah. or you know what's your name Hans oh. Fine Christian name, Hans Christian Anderson. What are you, Catholic? Yeah, like just he just he gets something your awkward grandfather might say. Yeah, like mm-hmm. he gets so intense with it. Like clearly, he hasn't really left the war. I like uh, Ray goes to art. Remember what you said about people in the Burbs art? People like Skip who mow their lawn for the eight hundredth mm-hmm. time and then snap. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's good. <laughs> I'm telling you, these people are Satanists. As I sit here, they're Satanists. Look, look, the world is full of these kind of things. Black masses, mutilations, mutilations, the incubus, the succubus. I'm telling you, Walter was a human sacrifice. <laughs> Satan is good. Yes. Satan, Satan is, is our pal. pal. <laughs> yeah, it's it, you know what? It really is a great collection of caricature people that live on a street. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, when when you think about like the people that you do see on a regular basis that you wave to or neighbors you talk to over the fence, you know, you can start to to pigeonhole some of them. Be like, oh, this is kind of like this guy in my neighborhood or oh, I definitely have that guy in my neighborhood. Well, that's why and I'm, I don't want to say anything about it yet, because I think it's one of my I think it's probably one of my answers later on when we get to our five questions. But um, something that Joe Dante is actually involved in as a television series, I like better. You know, I think it takes the idea of the burbs and I think in a, in a TV format, uh, in my mind, did it better. Yeah. But I'll, I'll get to that when we get to our five questions part. Do we have anything else we want to say about the burbs as a movie itself as a Tom Hanks movie? Was it, where does this, where does this one kind of fall for you in terms of some of his other movies? I don't think it's, it's, I mean, it's clearly not his best work, mm-hmm. but you can see that he, he put himself into it 110%. Yeah. You know, he did the most he could with the, uh, with the material he was given. Yeah. Even just the delivery of the line where he blew, you know, where he blew up and, 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 and he's like going to the hospital and getting on the gurney and going in. I think that's, a, that's typical Tom Hanks delivery and, the story goes he improvised that whole thing. I could yeah. see that part as right. being improvised. That's that's what I'm saying. That's like that's Tom Hanks. Like that's you see slivers of that character in different movies. You know, that part where he's like just getting on the gurney and just like take me I'm to sick, the take me to the hospital. Exactly that. Blown up. Yeah. Although Carrie Fisher's follow-up line to that is great too, and she's like, yeah, yeah. I'll just find out what hospital they're taking you to and follow you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's like it shows, you know, you know. Tom Hanks kind of with more of the physical comedy or kind of the more spaz kind of stuff. 
you know, where he gets kind of the the loud exclamations of what are you talking about? Yeah, I can't do it, but you know, where he he'll yell something, or it's just I don't know, I just say it's it's more like spaz and freak out and and kind of over the top. But you know, in Turner and Hooch, there were some comedy parts kind of playing like a normal guy. In this one, it's it's a caricature, and so everything just seems more over the top and more spazzy. And you know, I think Dennis, maybe you just said it, or whoever, you know, he he throws himself at it a hundred percent, and it's it's just a different role. So it's it's just fun seeing him do that. I mean, some of the character I was trying to think which movie it kind of reminded me of, and and definitely there's you know Turner and Hooch type of it's obviously the same time frame time frame. But I think even League of Their Own, like there's a little bit of yeah. I'm not saying that that's the character, but the way he delivered some of his lines and the frustrating, and he's like, you know, he's kind of a drinking, you know, um, coach who just frustrated with stuff at times. Like some of those elements came out, and I think that's close to the same sort of, like you said, spastic sort of kind of Tom Hanks versus something more obviously serious and or the romantic. Well, given that this film, um, more, you know, a good portion, well, maybe not a good portion, Joe versus there, was a lot, volcano. there was a yeah. lot of improvisation yeah. that went on in this movie because yeah. of the, uh, the writer's strike. So I think it really allowed him the opportunity to kind of flex some of that muscle and just kind of see what his limits were with, you know, how far can he push a character? And I think, you know, like I said, this isn't his best work, but I think it, it's, it, it was an important role for him to be able to start to recognize, you know, what he can do with the character and where, you know, really where he can take a character and how far he can, uh, how far he can, you know, push that envelope with a character before it completely falls apart. Yeah. Some of the funny things about this movie that I was reading up on were it's uh, the neighborhood is filmed on the same set where they filmed uh, Leave it to Beaver. So say, and I, apparently this neighborhood got used in several different, you know, some of the different houses that are shown or parts of the street. Um, I think I read somewhere that part of um, maybe Desperate Housewives, Housewives was filmed there and uh, a couple of different, Walter couple of different House TV shows still looks the same it's the only mm -hmm. one that hasn't changed over the years yeah uh, apparently in the in the movie and i don't recall um you know how many of them they actually stay on long enough for you to be able to see but um in uh in the the actor gail gordon in his house in it um he's playing uh he's played walter um several pictures of him with lucille ball because he had been on several of her tv shows over the years mm -hmm. yeah kind of hidden hidden in the background there he asks each traveler five questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. You've got to ask yourself one question. What are you asking me for? I don't know. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. So five questions, um, mostly related or loosely related to the movie that we've watched, but uh, five questions we're gonna, you know, it's it's semi rapid fire. So we'll go through and uh, each person will give their answer to one of the five, to each of the five questions. Uh, question number one, what is your favorite non-Star Wars Carrie Fisher role? And this one might be a little tougher because I think Dennis, as you might have said, she's not necessarily in a lot of movies or she doesn't have big parts in a lot of movies. So yeah, in I, terms of what I, she's in. 
have to say that I'm, you know, looking at her uh, at her IMDb page. There are so many move. There are so many movies that she's been involved with that I have never seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's maybe I would have to go with um, Blues Brothers. Yep. Probably either Blues Brothers or Austin Powers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those that that's that's what I would do. Done. Yeah, I, that's mine too. Blues Brothers. I, I love the Austin Powers stuff, um, but I gotta go Blues Brothers because I think that's one of the first times as a kid that I recognized that somebody from one movie was starring in another movie, and and that that person's not Princess Leia. That that's actually somebody different. I think that's the first time I recognized that. They're like, oh, wait a minute. That's that's the same. That's not Prince. That's Princess Leia, but it's not Princess Leia. And just and I love her character. It, it, her character doesn't show up very often in the movie. I mean, she's she's there a few times throughout, but definitely she's part of what's driving the story. Um, but I just I, I think her car- character is hilarious in Blues Brothers. So that's that's probably going to be mine. Although I do love her as the uh, as the therapist in Austin Powers. Mm-hmm. When Harry met Sally. That's right. Yeah, that's a good one too. For my answer, I'm just going to say with John and uh, Jeff, orange whip, orange whip, three orange whips. I got to say blues brothers. There we go. Mm -hmm. All right. Now this uh, question number two, I, I struggled on this one for a little bit Uh, early on in the film. When one of the kids is eating breakfast, there is a box of gremlins cereal on the counter. Joe Dante also directed gremlins and gremlins too. Um, Did you have a favorite movie related cereal growing up? Ghostbusters. The okay. little Slimer marshmallow guys mm-hmm. might have a little to do with the size of my gut in okay. my older, <laughs> older years. That's a lot of Slimer marshmallows. You know it. <laughs> I don't do anything halfway, John. I, I believe it. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at this list of uh, movie tie-in cereals that you sent out. There's some crazy stuff on that list. I, I don't think I've ever had any of these. Really? Yeah. Okay. Ghostbusters was the only one I recognized. My, okay. uh, I recognize a lot of them, but I don't think I ever had them. My, I mean, my my mom was very particular about um, you know, not buying a lot of this crap when it would mm-hmm. come out. Yeah. Okay. I, I I recognize some of them. I don't remember ever having any of these in, in my house. Okay. If, uh, if, if I handed you that website and I said this website, you can pick one of these and click on it and they will send a box to your home right now. Do you have one you'd pick? I didn't really pay that close attention to okay. Star Wars. The, Wasn't there a Star the, Wars one on the there? There, there were three Star Wars cereal. Yeah, and, and that's to just to see what the heck, what the heck mm-hmm. my, well, let's see. That's my, and that's my number one pick just based entirely off of nostalgia. Cause I don't remember what it tastes like was the C3POs, mm. which are basically, I think they were just basically Cheerios, which makes sense. Right. You know, if I was basing it off of taste, I probably would go with something. I had a, I had a short list of ones, but, um, you know, the gremlins one, I remember having that, the Batman cereal. I remember having that a lot of these actually on this list. I remember getting at one point or another, um, most recently one that actually tasted pretty decent was when Batman versus Superman came out. They had the, uh, Superman caramel crunch. No kidding. And it was actually pretty good. 
they had one for Batman and it was like a chocolate strawberry. And it was, it was not so great, but, um, the Superman caramel crunch was not too bad. Bought it for the kids. I don't know how much the kids actually got to eat it. I think you remember E.T. Yeah. Oh, there you go. E.T. cereal. That's I don't remember one. if we liked it or not. I was like, yeah. I wasn't a big peanut butter fan, so I don't think so, because I think it was very Reese's Pieces type of thing. I think so, yeah. Well, and I think as a kid, half the time, you didn't buy the cereal for the cereal. You bought it because there was free stuff inside. In the yeah. box. And the box. Oh, the fights yeah. that would ensue in my house. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I think the I think um, the C three POs. I think you had a chance to send off for um, some action figures if you collected enough enough proofs of purchase. Mm-hmm. And I think they had like the you could take off the back of the box and you could turn it into a mask or something like that. And yeah, half the fun was the box. Oh, I do remember the Mr. T thing too. But I know it's more TV show, I guess. I think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Mr. T. Yeah. Mostly Not remember Mr. T from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm in Jeff's boat. I looked down that list. I don't remember getting any. I don't remember having movie breakfast cereal mm-hmm. at all. Now I remember the Star Wars, like, and maybe Pepperidge Farm had like Star Wars cookies that mm-hmm. were like in the shape of the figures and i just remember them being very like <laughs> crunchy to the point of carefully don't break your teeth off with them um but that's about the only movie related like treat or food or any of that kind of stuff other than like a mcdonald's happy meal or something but um that's the only one i remember i don't remember like a lot of the movie breakfast cereals yeah but i don't think i've had any now I will say it's not a movie tie-in, but if and if we were going beyond that to non-movie tie-in cereals, I will say my absolute and I remember the taste of this one, and I remember getting it regularly is the Pac-Man cereal. Mm. But that's the one. Like if I could go on this website, because I the problem is I I went even further on this uh, MrBreakfast.com website. Okay. And I made the mistake of continuing to look beyond what was the purview of our discussion right now okay. and um yeah and I, I found a whole bunch of stuff that i used to have as a kid and i'm like if i could if i could get some pac-man cereal that would be really good yeah and actually uh was it um they actually have a picture of it on here yeah in uh, 1984 uh mr rogers neighborhood they had an episode where he goes down to the uh he's walking down a cereal aisle in a grocery store and the pac-man cereals right there that's cool next to the donkey kong cereal there it is. So anything you can market. All right. Yeah. Uh, all right. So number three, any that you're, that you're willing or able to tell any crazy stories uh, that you can tell briefly of creepy neighbors from your neighborhood growing up or just weird stuff going on in your neighborhood gro- or stuff you thought was weird and, and turned out to not be anything at all. Um. We had like a interesting, like, you know, five boys running around the neighborhood and Cicero was uh, during the summers were kind of interesting, but we, uh, I we smell this, a we, sitcom. We had a vacant, <laughs> no, we just had a vacant lot down by the end of the, uh, the alleyway. And, um, next to it was, I don't know if it was a, like part of a, the back of a beauty parlor or something, but the lady who was there was, uh, was this German lady 
And it reminds me a little of the movie with the journey, you know, the, the, the just kind of the, the, the burps a little bit, but we would go to there and this lady would always yell at us to get out of there. We'd just go there for bugs, look under logs and rocks. And that's, we were all like looking for, you know, worms or whatever, spiders and stuff. She would come out and she would like threaten to get us out of there with, with, you know, stuff. And, and uh, she would do this countdown and she would be like, we used to call her the one, two, three lady. Cause she'd be like, one, two, three. And she'd be yelling that out, you know? And then there was this guy who across right next to there who had, he was like the old guy, kind of like out of uh, Green Acres or something. And um, he would sit there and argue back and forth with her and defend us and stuff. So we'd be always kind of caught in there. And she caught us. You had to go running. And he'd come out and kind of defend us. And it was this like little battle in the, in the neighborhood between the two. But she was referred to as the Von Two Three Lady. And we thought she was like maybe um, like from, I don't know, committed war crimes or something. <laughs> There's some people across the street. It was over parking spaces because my brothers were, you know, handicapped and they had the the um the handicapped parking spaces but we didn't have them right away so you know parents would just out of kindness or courtesy back then would be like you know don't park in front of our you know all these people from across the street would park all their cars on our side block everything we'd have to block like you know like like have to block down and get the kids out of the you know my brothers out of the wheelchairs and so there used to be some tensions there over things and 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 across the way there was i remember there was one night where fireworks were exploded at our house from them they're shooting bottle rockets at our windows my dad went out cops were called <laughs> you know there was a whole big thing in the middle but at one point we actually kind of mockingly went back and forth with every time this guy would park his car we played the laurel and hardy theme as he would walk up to his house over a boom box <laughs> <laughs> so literally i remember him getting out of his car and it was like okay he's gonna park in that spot again like you know and he would just do it and they were almost doing it intentionally so when he would get out all of a sudden you know he'd start going and we'd have the boom box in the window <laughs> as he's walking and he would have to stop turn around we'd stop the tape <laughs> he starts walking again you press it out again <laughs> And you turn around and give the finger, and you just there's stupid stuff like that, but um, not too many creepy stories, I don't think, but uh, just a bunch of weird neighborhood stuff like that. Yeah, little, battle, little battles that were always going on among mm -hmm. somebody, and you know, it was weird. We uh, we had new neighbors move in next to my folks' house, they had taken an upstairs laundry room and remodeled it or taking the, the, the washer and dryer out and used it to build uh, build themselves a bar because I guess they didn't want to have to walk far to get their booze. <laughs> I can understand this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I just, I remember thinking like, that was just so odd. I was like, why would you give up the convenience of a washer and dryer on the like same level as your bedrooms because you feel the need to have your booze that close to you? My goodness. Maybe Uber is more expensive than a laundromat. Yeah, it could be. Who knows? <laughs> then the guy, the guy across the street from my folks is, I mean, he's, I think he's your, your typical old man neighbor. You know, he very much cares about his property and he's out there all the time. Just by hand, he'll be picking up leaves off, off his lawn. His huge bushes all along the front of his house. And like, he'll be out there with a pair of scissors, like, making little tiny cuts to to these bushes trying to just get them perfect and just sit there you're looking at this guy like what is like this is this is what your life has become 
you know, he doesn't like people on his property. He doesn't like people, uh, his, he doesn't like his neighbor's stuff to be encroaching on his property line. So, you know, he'll be out there and just kind of stand and stare and make sure that, you know, people are keeping their distance. Very uncomfortable person. And he wasn't always like that. So I don't know what happened that he, uh, that's how he's ended up. He, he saw Grand Torino and got inspired. That very well could be. Well, we, we have a, the, there's a little house right next to us and it's, um, it's had a lot of renters over the years. And, um, we had one, it actually ends up being a, a sad story. The, the guy that lived next door, um, he very clearly had some issues and, I think was, was on some medication and we'd have times where he would be out in the middle of the street screaming at his house because he thought that someone was upstairs trying to kill him. And so the police were called and we live on a very quiet little street, a little dead end street. And so the police were called pretty regularly. He moved out after a couple of years or so, a really nice guy. Like we would, we'd see him as we we're like mowing the lawn or playing with the kids out in the front yard. And, you know, he, you know, he gave the kids a, a basketball he didn't need anymore. And, uh, you know, he really nice guy, but we find out, I think it's maybe about a year or two after he moved away that, uh, he ended up killing himself mm-hmm. and come to find out he just had a crazy amount of guns and assault weapons that he would keep in all of his houses. And so it's like, well, and, and because his, you know, his house was right next to our bedroom and our daughter's bedroom. And so of course, then what's running through our head is there were times that because his medication wasn't right, he was out on the street yelling, thinking somebody was going to kill him. What if he had grabbed one of his weapons and decided that, well, he's going to protect himself. Yeah. That, that definitely well, that's, gives person pause. That was a little intense. So we're always a little, a little leery about whenever we get a new neighbor, we're just like, okay, I, <laughs> when we've had, we've had a kind of other issues here and there with, with some neighbors down the street, I'm totally convinced that some of the kids uh, who are now high school age, I'm totally convinced that they broke into our garage and put nails in our tires a few years ago. And we ended up with, uh, I ended up with all four of my tires flat on my car. It was probably about seven years ago, that February, that we had that kind of massive blizzard. Mm-hmm. And uh, I nearly got stuck at school because I my I didn't realize, I guess my tires didn't, the air didn't come out of them until I had parked at school for the day and then tried to leave at the end of the day, try to get out before the, the snow hit. And then I got stuck in Vernon Hills trying to get, uh, oh. trying to get my tires replaced, but everywhere was closing. Like I went over to the Sears and they're like, now nah, we're closing because of the blizzard. I said, well, well, how am I going to get home? Like I need new tires. I need to get home. And like, well, sorry, we're closing. So thankfully I was able to get somewhere, but, um, yeah, I, I, I know for a fact which kids it was. And we had some other issues with them vandalizing some stuff on our house and things like that. So thankfully they've either grown up and they're not interested anymore or, or were, were, were the police or any of that able to help you or was nothing ever proven out? or No, cause we couldn't, we couldn't prove anything. Like I, I knew, I know who it is. Like I, I knew exactly who it was. Um, you know, the, the type of nails that were used were related to one of their parents' professions. So I knew exactly where that came from and, is a very specialized type of nail. So they didn't really think it through too much, but we're, I mean, we're, we're cordial with our neighbors, but there's some that we, you know, we don't always go down to that end of the street very often, mm-hmm. but yeah, I can't think of too many stuff like growing up. And I always grew up in the suburbs, like very much, it looked very much like the burbs. Um, and I can't think of too many times. I mean, there might've been growing up as kids might've been some times that we made up some crazy stories about, you know, a neighbor that they were a, a an axe murderer or something like that. And, um, 
you know, but other than that, I can't think of anything that was too, too intense. All right. Anybody else have any other crazy neighbor stories or creepy neighbors from your neighborhood growing up? Not really. Just crabby old people. Okay. Yeah. So a, a less interesting version of the burbs. Yeah. We didn't have crabby uh, or creepy neighbors or any of that kind of stuff. Um, on our block growing up, everyone was really cool. But I'll tell you, our neighbors that uh, moved in right next door to our house, we always grew up in, and I've said it before, we'd head out on the water. You know, my dad grew up and he'd always sail. My mom grew up in Minnesota and it was always water skiing and all that. So growing up, we were always very much you know, with the water and that. And it was right when I was in like sixth, seventh grade and just, you know, we were, we were kind of getting more serious into the boating thing. We had new neighbors move in and they talked over the fence and, and that, and they were a little bit older than my folks. Um, well, they, they were older than the, the husband and wife were older than my folks. And we got talking to them and we went over to their house one day and just by happenstance, my mom looked and they had a whole wall of pictures and she looked and it was all these old water ski pictures. And it was, you could tell it was like, you know, pretty, pretty high-end stuff. It wasn't just like, you know, amateur. And so she got talking to the guy and his name was, uh, his name was Jim. And uh, I remember that um, she got talking to them. He ended up, he was like, she came back over to the house. She's like, you're never going to believe who's living next door. And we're like, well, who? And she said, he was the captain of the United States uh, comp competitive water ski team. Like back in the seventies and all that, he was like really. And she says, "We, my bro, like we all grew up idolizing these folks." And so, like, yeah, they were like hardcore water skiers and that. And we we ended up spending a lot of summers with them, and they helped you know teach us to ski and the whole thing. And and uh, uh, so that was a very cool connection, and uh, it was a lot of fun. And they were they were great neighbors. I mean, you know, we got an arch. My brother and I, we got a bow and arrow. You know. Um, luckily the BB gun, cause it was suburbia, the BB gun, my, my, you know, and the rifles and all that kind of stuff, we, we kept those covered. Cause that was, that was bad, but, um, oh, you shoot your eye had, out. well, yeah. And when you're and in all seriousness, it's dangerous unless you're at a rate, you know, you don't mess around with that stuff. Well, the archery set, we, we kind of had some fun with, uh, though, and, um, the neighbors were very forgiving cause there were times that we'd set the target up, you know, and, and we had a fence between the yards, but sometimes we'd miss high. And uh, other times we had like an apple tree in the backyard and we'd shoot the apples off the tops of the targets um, or we'd try to and we'd miss. And so the neighbors would come home and there'd be a whole bunch of arrows in the side of their house. And uh, they'd come home and it would be as soon as they drove in a bit. Hello, Mr. Mrs. on. We're really sorry. We kind of. Yeah. You kids got to be more careful with that. Yeah, we'll we'll try. We're really sorry. And there was in the side of their garage, there'd be like, you know, six or seven arrows sitting out the side of their. And they'd never get. They know, you know, it was always just like, you kids be more careful. Okay. And then there was the one time, like, I want to say the guy, he was like, he was in his eighties and he was still go up on the roof and like fix gutters and clean, you know, things and do all that. And there was one time he was up there and the ladder fell down. And so without like, you know, it was like, well, what'd you do and all that? And he says, well, I, he had a leaf blower. I think he was cleaning gutters. So he unplugged the leaf blower, um, yanked the cord. So it came out of the wall tied it around his chimney and rappelled down the side of his house to get down. It was just like, I mean, they, they were great neighbors and the stories are, were, were pretty fun. So nothing creepy or weird or freaky or any of that kind of stuff, but just, just, just good people and, and good friends. Now, see, this will show how twisted I am because when you started to tell the story about the, the water skiing, yeah, and you're like, and my mom went into his house and he had all of these pictures up of water skiing. What I thought you were going to say, I was, and they were all of our family. 
Oh, yeah. Cue the okay, pipe organ. Creepy, but yeah. All right. Uh, so question number four. Do you have a favorite creepy, weird, sneaky neighbor from a movie or TV show? The Griswolds from Christmas Vacation. There we go. Boo Radley. <laughs> oh, going, going with the classic example, okay. I'd have to go maybe Lars Thorwald. Nice. Love that movie. I'm going to go, this is what I was kind of referencing earlier because it's affiliated. You know, Joe Dante, I think, did some consulting on it or helped create it. Um, I'm going to go with the TV series Erie, Indiana because I remember I used to watch that a lot as a kid. And I, I feel like it takes, it's almost like a, I felt like it was like a kid's twilight zone. It's kind of like a kid's twilight zone. And it's got, it's got kind of the, the vibe of what the burbs is trying to be, you know, but done out over the course of a TV series where each week you've got some weird, crazy thing happening. Cause I kind of feel like that's what the burbs could be. It's like, you could do more than just this one movie and have like this town where weird, crazy things happen on every street. Um, but I, I always remember enjoying that show when I used to watch it. It was kind of like, kind of like a kid's version before there was the X-Files. It was kind of like a mixture of maybe like the burbs and then a little bit of twilight zone, a little bit of X-Files kind of weird stuff. So that one would be mine. Um, I mean, I, like one of the things about burbs when you're watching is it kind of reminded me of a movie that might, we actually saw before this, I believe. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen the, uh, the people under the stairs. You ever see that one? No, no. Okay. The lady, the mom, and that, and the dad, those are the two creepiest. So if you go, um, I think that's one. If, if having watched Burbs, I think it's like 90, I can look it up. Hold on. I think it's like 90, I want to say 92, 91, like early 90s. But the people under the stairs is, is it's really, I think that's like, that's a good one. Like you guys would like that one. Um, I yeah, think it's 91. More, it, was, it was a 91? 91. Yeah. Yeah. So watch the people under the stairs, the mom and the dad. The dad is the guy who was, um, uh, in Silver Bullet, he was the, the reverend, the, the actual like werewolf and member Silver Bullet with mm -hmm. uh, Busey. Okay. And, um, yeah. He's that guy. And it's like, there's really good, it's just, there's some good lines in there. And there's, uh, it's like definitely a creepy, creepier film, but it's also not quite comedy. And that it just has the same sort of flavor of the burbs, except it's done better, I think. Mm -hmm. It's a Wes Craven movie. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's got yeah. There's a there's a boy who gets stuck in a you know house and you're finding his little kid. Just it's definitely check that one out. Okay. But those would be although I think those if I look back, uh, I really think those are probably the creepiest neighbors. If you had those two people, okay. they're, they're, they scared the crap out of me when I first saw that movie. But like not it's not a horror. I mean, it is a horror film, but it's got the vibe of the birds to a certain degree. Yeah. So there's little kids in it, you know, and, and everything. So. But definitely nice. check that one out. That would be my my most probably creepiest movie, Neighbors. What about the Neighbors from Rosemary's Baby? There you go. <laughs> about the D Disturbia. Or what's um, Pacific Heights? The Neighbors in, in Pacific Heights were really weird. All right. Question number five, our final question. What fictional street would you want to live on? Evergreen Terrace. Honestly, that that's high up on my list. That was on my list. I think just just to be just to be a little bit different, and because it's because of where it's supposed to take place, it's it's very near and dear to my heart. I'm gonna go with Rainy Street from King of the Hill. Nice, because in terms of accents and where they're from, them's my people. That boy ain't right. Mm. 
Uh, dang man, I don't know if you uh, we, we talk about the movie and the and the and TV shows and the and the streets. You know, dang man, I don't know. Dang old. I gotta I gotta back up. What was the street? And I'm sure it's gonna be like, dude, Pat, how do you not know this? But what was the street that you, Jeff, you and Bo mentioned? Evergreen Terrace. Okay, what's that one? I should know this. Simpsons. Don't. Got it. Okay. My initial reaction to this was Sesame Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, solid. But. After giving it some thought, I think I wouldn't mind living on Baker Street. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be really cool. 34th no. Street. <laughs> there you go. No. And there's a whole bunch of, I mean, if we were to expand it out to like cities or towns, there's a whole bunch of other things I would list. You know, I I, I wouldn't want to live in Gotham City, but Metropolis would be nice. Um, Mocking, Mockingbird Lane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then there's well, then there's like the uh, Dennis, you know, that. Um, oh, gosh. Uh, what's the name of the episode? The uh, It's Maple Street. The monsters on Maple oh, Street. Mon- monsters yeah. do on Maple yeah. Street. Is that the one? Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's a fun one about a neighborhood that's kind of creepy, but not what yeah. I want to live on. Classic Twilight Zone. Yeah. Evergreen Terrace was was up on mine, too. I was like, well, just in terms of, I think, how much fun it would be to live in the Simpson to live on the Simpson street. Cause you talk about, you know, sitting at home and just watching your neighbors and trying to figure out what's going on based on their patterns. Can you imagine being Homer Simpson's neighbor? Mm-hmm. I don't want to be Flanders. Hi, did Leo. Had <laughs> Leo neighbor. All right. Get out of your Flanders. Totally do. Stupid Flanders. <laughs> Stupid Flanders. <laughs> All right. Uh, Pat, did we get yours? No, I, I don't, I don't think I've got anything. Um, you I know? reject, I reject the question. I'm living on the perfect street right now. Is that your answer? Well, I don't know if I'm living on the perfect mm-hmm. street. Um, Elm street. But, Pat. <laughs> what, what was that? What did Elm, I say? Street. Elm street. Elm street. Yeah. Yeah. No. Or you could, I would think you, he would have said pa- paper street, which is fight club. I'll see that. Yeah, but I wouldn't want to live on Paper Street. I know, yes, sure. I like the movie, but I've I've seen that neighborhood. Yeah, I don't want those neighbors. Yeah, I I don't I don't know if I've got a street for you. I I don't know if I can answer that one. I'll think of it and I'll, you know, I'll call the love line, guys. Sure. I don't know what I was thinking. I'm gonna live on, you know, whatever. Spooner uh, Street. I am gonna steal. Uh, um, I'm gonna steal Jeff's thing. I think it was Jeff who said it was. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do uh, Sesame Street. It's my final okay. answer. Okay. I I thought of Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, but I don't know yeah. too much about the rest. Yeah, of the street. I was trying to think if there was a street for Mr. Rogers. No, I don't think there was actually. I don't know what his street was. Yeah. But I wouldn't mind living in that neighborhood. I think that's going to do it for our episode on the burbs. Um, if you have any any thoughts or feedback you want to leave, feel free to call in the voicemail line. Um, that's 872-356-6843. Um, you can also go find that on our website, too. You can tweet at us, email us, whatever you want to do. Um, but go to 30podcast.com. That's 30podcast.com. You can find all the different ways to get in touch with us there. And uh, so that's going to do it for this episode. The episodes that we got coming up next, next week will be our two, uh, our, our second movie in our Tom Hanks uh, extravaganza. That's going to be Turner and Hooch. And then as the month goes on, I know Captain Marvel uh, is coming out uh, very soon, actually this weekend, I think. And um, so we're going to be doing a Captain Marvel episode sometime soon. So um, we'll, 
we'll get that in here sometime this month. Otherwise, the rest of our movies for March are Glory and The War of the Roses. And then if you're looking ahead to April and you want to get ahead on watching some of those before our show comes out, uh, we have got My Left Foot, UHF, Dead Poet Society, and Driving Miss Daisy. So those are the ones we got coming up over the course of the next couple of months or so. Um, but I think that's all we got for this time. So thank you guys for being here. Thank you, Bo, Dennis, Jeff, Pat. Thank you, John. Thank, thank you, John. Yeah. And uh, we will see you all back here next time. So be excellent to each other and go watch some good movies. Unconscious chanting. You're chanting. I want to kill everyone. Satan is good. Satan is our pal. Ray, Ray, you're chanting. Hey, once they get in here, it's over, pal.